Bubblies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have another fun edition of the show in store for you today. Obviously, we had our special bonus episode on Tuesday with Speedball Mike Bailey. Our thanks once again to Speedball for taking some time to chat before he heads over to Japan, which I believe he's either completed as we are speaking right now or uh, is still on his way. Either way, on his way over there for Best of Super Juniors. Awesome moment for him. But today, we are welcoming back a returning guest, uh, a very close friend of the show, so much so that she designed our new logo, (laughs) one Edith Surreal, the ephemeral queen herself, is back on the show today, hot off of her win of the Enjoy Championship, defeating MV Young to become only the second person to hold that title uh, in the company's history awesome moment there, but it's not stopping because she's also going to be on the Uncanny Attraction show coming up on Saturday, May 13th. I believe that's at 1 p.m. Central when that show gets started um, down in Austin or on Title Match if you're watching from home like me. Um, but yeah, she's she's gearing up for another title uh, match against Billy Dixon in the main event there for the, uh, the Unchampionship, the first championship in Uncanny Attractions history. It's just another awesome moment in what has been shaping up to be a uh, pretty awesome first half of the year for, for Edie. You know, even going back to the, the final vibe, Pro Wrestling Vibe show in February, where she and uh, Erica Lee and Trisha Dora, Kelly McMurphy, Saul Sparza, and Rob Radke um, just had a chaotic throwdown there at DC Brow to close out uh, vibes tenure in, in the pro wrestling scene. Um, but yeah, we get into a lot of, a lot of those moments, a lot of what's been happening for her, the importance of the uncanny show beyond just, you know, wrestling for a championship down there, you know, because of all of the various, um, anti-trans and anti-drag bills that have been introduced all across the country, um, performing in Texas, that that takes on a whole different connotation at this point um, for a lot of the people that are going to be down there in Austin for that show. Um, so we delve into some of that. We also talk extensively about that Enjoy Championship match as well, uh, including the uh, the iconic photo at this point of her drinking her, her, her beer through her mask with the title belt, bloody, torn mask, everything. This is awesome. It's great. Well, we'll get into that, though, here in just a second. Um, but before we get there, I do want to touch on a, a couple of things um, that have come up in the wrestling world uh, over the last week or so. Obviously, uh, this weekend also is going to play host to the uh, the first UK edition of Effie's Big Gay Brunch over at TNT Wrestling on Friday. And um, there was some developments coming out of the the greater TNT Wrestling and, and progr- TNT Extreme uh, and Progress uh, family of pro wrestling companies over there. Because obviously, like, those companies share an ownership group, right? Even if it's not the same people that are running the shows. But um, news broke 
um, earlier this week about you know progress and in TNT Extreme welcoming back um, Will Ospreay and, and Paul Robinson uh, to progress specifically, although I'm sure at some point both of them might show up on TNT Extreme as well. But the statement that was put out was specific about progress. And obviously that caused uh, some issue for or for a lot of people in the pro wrestling scene because of Paul Robinson's connection to what we saw with the Speaking Out movement back in 2020. You know, there were allegations against Paul of, you know, sexual misconduct in some way with a minor, you know, with a 16-year-old um, during a... A wrestling trip to uh, Germany, I believe, is for based on the state the the statements that are seen out there. And you know, at the time, uh, Paul didn't necessarily deny every aspect of the the person's story. You know, I think a subsequent statement he did go on to deny that sort of thing. But it was enough that progress cut ties with him in 2021, right? Um, whenever it was found out that he was helping you know, produce an agent, um, a show there. And because of those issues, you know, there are a number of people that don't accept that, that Paul is being welcomed back, especially considering that, you know, progress statement that was released, or I guess progress in TNT extremes co statement that was released basically, you know, pointed to an invest an investigation being uh, held um, to kind of clear the way for Paul to be to come back to the company. Basically, at the same time as one David Bixen's fan pointed out, you know, there have there was a tweet from Will Osprey earlier in the year that basically said like he would only go back to progress if. He was able to bring Paul back with him and reform their tag team, right? And obviously there's a lot of conjecture and no tangible morsels of um, this most recent development in the story to really latch onto because, you know, progress um, has not released, you know, any aspect of their investigation. There's been no transparency there, you know, um, Obviously, like we haven't heard anything from uh, Will or Paul like, speaking to that tweet from Will or speaking to the nature of the investigation at this point. And it's leaving a lot of fans um, kind of in the lurch a bit, you know, wanting to know exactly why this decision was made. And, and I don't blame them at all. You know, whenever you have a situation where there were so many people in the British wrestling scene that were um, rightfully called out for misconduct, you know, like that is a hard thing to really wrap your head around and even harder to try and work to make better. You know, obviously there are obvious answers to different practices and how those things can be improved and that sort of thing, but you know, it takes a, an entire scene to want to change, right? Even if you are in control of just one promotion, you're one ripple in the greater lake, so to speak. 
of an entire pro wrestling scene. And, you know, I don't know why progress didn't release any aspect of the investigation or why there isn't any more information out, but I suspect that doing so would actually, you know, if there is something to release there, you know, you know, whatever information you have that you do want to release, like pretty much releasing any information that you have is going to be better than releasing nothing and just saying that this is what we're doing and saying that you did an investigation, right? One of the consequences of the speaking out movement beyond, you know, how it has affected, you know, various wrestlers that were called out, how it has affected um, a lot of the practices in pro wrestling is that fans are a lot more in tune with the practices of pro wrestling promotions all over the world at this point, right? They, they are keeping in step with what companies are doing to make environments safe for audiences, for wrestlers, for trainees, and that sort of thing. This goes all the way down to, to schools as well, you know. Um, but there also, now more than ever, honestly, is a need for companies to be transparent about these kinds of situations where you are welcoming back someone who has been gone from the scene for an extended amount of time because of allegations that came out against him and his subsequent statements about said allegations, right? Um, this is what pro wrestling needs to continue to evolve into, an atmosphere for accountability, for safety, for transparency, for companies that want to have a relationship with their fans to treat their fans like, you know, the smart people that they are because there are a number of people that will see through something like this without the actual information to make themselves understand um, where the company might be coming from. Right. And it is immensely frustrating to see that progress has not released that information as of yet, as we're talking right now. And, you know, I don't think it is put, entirely put a cloud over what's going to happen on Friday with the Big Game Brunch UK. I'm, that's still a show that is definitely worth celebrating for what it is trying to do and all the amazing talents that are on there. But at the same time, you know, once, once that show is over and once we see um, how things develop with progress, like progress would do itself a huge favor by being transparent about these sort of things, you know, being open to its audience about how it handles this sort of stuff. Because if not, you know, there are plenty of people that are ready to just go ahead and, and write off progress at this point. Um, and, and I'll be real, like, <laughs> I was upset to see that statement without any added context or added information. You know, that's what I expect out of pro wrestling at this point as we continue to build a better scene. And you can't do that if we keep falling back on the practices that brought us to where we were with everything shrouded in mystery until very, very powerful people, powerful women, powerful men, powerful non-binary people spoke up back in 2020. Can't live in the shadows anymore. Just can't. That being said, let's uh, let's jump into my conversation with Edith Surreal. 
What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And my guest this week, uh, you know her so very well. She's been on this show before, but now she's coming on the show as the brand new Enjoy Wrestling champion and is looking to add to that collection of championships this weekend, this Saturday, May 13th, down at Uncanny Attractions in Austin, Texas, taking on Billy Dixon for the Unchampionship, the first championship ever in the history of Uncanny Attractions. Please welcome Edith Surreal back to the show. How are you doing today, Edie? Oh, I'm good. After that introduction, I feel great. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. I'm excited to get the chance to sit down and talk with you again. Like, it feels like this is almost an annual thing yes. for us. <laughs> I'm excited. I am too, especially considering like, the the moves you've been making here recently in in your career. You know, obviously, like you know, you held championships in Invictus. You held the the Lucha Libre and Laughs Championship for a good amount of time last year. But we're off the heels right now of the airing of your outstanding main event match with MV Young over at Enjoy Wrestling, capturing the championship, becoming only the second champion ever in the history of that company. Um. Can I talk to me about like where you're at right now before like and we could talk about the match and we could talk about like the whole process there for you, but where are you at right now? Like sitting with this belt now that has become so synonymous with like Pittsburgh and honestly some parts like wider Pennsylvania wrestling. I mean, it's funny that to talk about it now because you know, at this point the match happened two months ago, you know, <laughs> when we taped it, because we do we'll do a live show and then they like um edit it and put it on YouTube. So it was kind of fun to just like relive it again because you know it had kind of faded at that point, but then all of a sudden we can get really excited about it and I can watch the match for the first time because I hadn't seen it back. So, you know, I was watching it back and like you know, I had this longer introduction, like a longer edit of my en entrance music. It was um, a remix by uh, Jimmy Urin from Mindless Self-Indulgence, which is really funny. But um, so it's just like it's playing for like a minute and I'm starting to I'm just like at home in, on the couch and I'm starting to feel that like that antsiness that happens like that, the, the nerves um, again. So. Yeah, it was fun to relive it and fun for everyone to see. I think there are some people who say they they avoided spoilers this whole time, which I don't know how you do that because, you know, I spoiled the heck out of that. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, it was su it's super fun and it's super cool to to be on, you know, to to be the Enjoy Champion. I mean, it's like it's such a special company and a special group of people and a special locker room and a, a special crowd. Like everything about it is really, really cool and really, really unique. And it, it means so much to me. And, um, you know, I couldn't be prouder of that match and, and working with Michael and, and putting everything that went into it. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the highlight of my career by, by a long shot. Mm. I mean, it felt like it in, in the moment watching the match, you know, whenever it aired uh, for myself, obviously not being there live in the building, but like, you know, watching the match as it aired, like it really felt like this, this great big kind of build up to a climactic moment with, with you winning it. You know, I talked to Joe Dombrowski, who was called that match um, just a couple weeks um, before it aired. And, and every time that I, that we brought up enjoy or brought up that match, like he kept pointing to, the match between you and MV as being like a special moment. Like he recognized it that way. And he's seen a lot. Um, 
I, I don't know. Like, if was there anything specific that stood out to you in in rewatching it that kind of gave you that feeling? Um, I don't know. I think usually I'm much more critical of my matches, and watching it back, I didn't really critique it as much as I would. Um, and I think there's just something really. It was it kind of felt like that magic of pro wrestling, like everything just kind of came together, like putting it together, you know, calling the match with him. It just it was effortless. We had the exact same ideas. We kind of agreed on everything, which that doesn't happen all the time. So it just felt like there was so much momentum and so much building towards it that, you know, it was it was almost done for us by just like the momentum going into it. So it was super easy to call and just like, I mean, that crowd was crazy. I've never experienced that in, in my young career, you know, that many people like cheering for me in the main event. And just, um, there was, there was a point where, you know, we're in his hometown, right? I mean, he's been the face of Pittsburgh and, you know, main eventing and representing the company for the last two, three years. And, you know, I've been, you know, they like me too. So um, <laughs> there's just this point in the match where, you know, he gets me into the corner and then gives me a strike to the head and they just turned on him instantly. And I was just like, holy shit. Like I did not <laughs> expect because he was thinking they would boo him. And I was just like, there's not a chance they're going to boo you in your own like hometown. Like you built this. They're not going to boo you. I don't believe you. And, and uh, he was right. <laughs> well. It was an interesting moment to see that because like recognizing the, the dynamic there, because, you know, like you said, Envy is, you know, the poster child of, of Pittsburgh pro wrestling at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. He's held that enjoy championship for like 600 days up to that point. It's so hard to get someone that has that reputation to be booed by an audience all you need to do is throw them in there with someone who's just as beloved in a different way and then you see like this it was almost like american attraction mv young <laughs> back out for a minute there right with like that spot in the corner and then like the ripping of the mask later on like you got these little bits of when mv was more of that just like straight up heel character that that he portrayed uh, mm -hmm. a few years ago and it just i don't know like you forget that you know this era of mv like this this polyam cult leader version of mv he's basically been treated as uh, a figure to be revered throughout that whole time and you forget just how quickly he can spin that on on a crowd with the right when working with the right person and that moment was one of those that just kind of <laughs> it caught me off guard as well just to hear how quickly the crowd turned on him yeah and like kudos to him for like being able to create that and to build to that to get that reaction and and that's also a fun thing about wrestling is a lot of your character is determined by the crowd you know where he was a bad guy for a while and a heel but you know the crowd started to really like him and started to kind of you know, will him to 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 turn and and, you know, he adapted to that. And I think that was something and that eventually comes to, you know, an end when they decide 
they're they want someone else on top they want someone else's champion they want a, a break or whatever they however they felt and then he was able to kind of lean into that so you know it's it's fun having that kind of tandem you know working in tandem with the audience as they bring you up and then kind of want to bring you back down that was something very similar with like early with still life, you know, where still life was a heel in Shakara. And then the crowd was like, no, we don't we don't, don't want to boo you. <laughs> we, no matter how hard we were trying, the crowd just did not was not going to accept still life as as a heel or a Rudo. Sorry, was, we were Rudos back then. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, it, you're you're completely right, though. Like I like obviously throughout pro wrestling, we've seen multiple times where crowds have have caused character changes or different aspects of how a match has worked in that way and just it just shows flexibility and being able to read that that crowd and, and feed into it in a way and it, it made that match so much more special in a way because like who was going to be able to turn it, pittsburgh against him against mb mm-hmm. only Edie, <laughs> only Edie. um and they just kind of crescendoed into the finish of the match like talk to me about the like the moment after the bell rings, like whenever you do get the championship in the ring, like we see you celebrating, we see this like joy overcoming you. Like, what are you thinking and feeling in that moment? Um, I mean, after, so right after the match ended, like I'm laying there and like, it was nice to have like a little moment with Michael, like just kind of enjoying what we just built. And then of course I tried to make him laugh. You know, I was like, do you want to pick me up again and throw me through the table? And then he had to bury his face because he was he was cracking up. <laughs> so that's something that's something that's fun to do in the mask is I can just try to make people laugh. So of course I had to do that. It was a special moment and I had to ruin it. Um, but yeah, I it was just I don't know. I was just so exhausted. I mean, that was it's 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 a tough place to work because it is so hot and there's so much. I think it's a fog machine that messes me up. But like. It's it's a it's a pretty difficult venue to work in. Like I'm always just so exhausted. Um, but maybe I'm just putting so much out there because the crowd has given me so much that I'm, you know, I don't leave anything out there. But um, yeah, I just wanted to enjoy it. Like I didn't want to rush back. I wanted to just like to to I made a point to be present. And I every time I'm there, I make a point to be present and to like just enjoy that reaction because i don't know if that could be my last time i ever that may be the biggest reaction i ever get in my career so i don't know i don't know whatever's going to happen so i just want to enjoy that that moment and just like be there and like so it sticks with me and it does you know like not everything that happens in a match sticks with you just because you're you're a bundle of nerves and this or that and you just kind of it's almost an out-of-body experience or a tunnel vision or whatever it is a lot of the time and so I don't really a lot of my wrestling career. It's I feel like I don't have firsthand knowledge of what happened. <laughs> so you know I try to avoid that in moments like that and just like really kind of appreciate it. Oh, I can I can completely understand that. You know, especially um, with a moment such as that. Like, and, and it's funny that you like, you know, in the moment you're trying to break Michael <laughs> in the, <middle laughs> of the ring with this those door those door spots. Jesus, <laughs> like, what is what is the feeling like whenever you don't go? Not necessarily like the the pain, because obviously you're bouncing off of wood, like it's painful. But like in your mind, like whenever like you're y'all are trying this thing multiple times and the door still won't go. Like what what's 
what's the thought process like in that moment for you? I I just wanted to keep going. And I was just like, <laughs> I told Nick, I was like, tell him to keep throwing me. But I could also imagine that like picking me up and trying to hurl me is that's probably takes a lot of strength. I don't know. I don't pick people up, so I don't know. But um, I assume it was difficult so, or like at that point he was he was over it. Um, yeah, it's I don't know, it's just funny. <laughs> it's just a thing that happens. <laughs> you know, you want it, you want it to go perfect, but I guess like there has to be some, there has to be imperfections in there. Like in all art, there has to be some piece of inf- it, There has to be some imperfection to make it is human. That, is that the part of the process that you've had to kind of learn throughout your your time in pro wrestling that imperfections will happen and it's in because there's so much pressure not not just from like the pressure that wrestlers put on themselves to get everything perfect in a match right but this whole idea of within pro wrestling fandom of like you know pointing out like quote-unquote botched spots and all this other stuff like that which is just in my opinion complete horseshit like it's 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 so frustrating to see people focus on this sort of stuff whenever there's so much other great things that happen in matches and also how like whenever you do miss something or like something goes awry like it adds to the realism of the fight yeah (laughs) well i mean yeah i could talk all night about this like it's it's that it's a huge part of of training is to you know we practice spots and we do practice matches and all this to mess up and to figure out how to get it back on track it's always going to happen. I mean, I've never had a perfect match. Something has gone wrong, big or small, in every single match. And I just accept that. And you just got to move past it and figure out how to get it back into a meaningful place. That's just part of the craft of wrestling. And it's part of like the magic of it. Um, and then Veda Scott, like we talk a lot about this because um, we'll drive out to Pittsburgh together and you know just talk shop. But, you know, they talk about like, how cool is it that we are able to just have this whole choreographed performance that lasts 8, 10, 15 minutes? Um, we never practice everything. We don't have a dress rehearsal. We don't, sometimes we don't even get to, like, try stuff. We just discuss it. And we're able to put a choreographed performance in front of a live audience, sometimes, oftentimes live television, not television, who am I? Like live streaming or whatever. I mean, it is on TV. I'm it's on effectively TV, but... TV at this yeah. point. <laughs> but like, how amazing is that, that we can do that and still have something that looks like a fight? There's nothing else like that. Nothing else exists in the world that's like that. And that's so cool. Um, and like, yeah, if a botch happens, like, of course. Like, <laughs> I mean, you watch figure skating, they, they fall all the time. Do you watch any kind of, I don't know, any kind of choreograph thing or any kind of performance thing, like they're going to mess up. Like, you know, you're going to, if you're playing music, you're going to break a guitar string or you're going to forget a lyric or something. I don't know if you forget lyrics. That happens sometimes, but like, you know, stuff goes wrong. You just got to recover. No, and, and right on point, you know, like that's exactly, I think the the mindset that, that I have with it. And, and it's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating to have to see all the like botched Twitter accounts and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, blocked most of them for myself just because like, yeah. i don't care about that <laughs> shit but i don't know like it just feels like there's already enough enough pressure as it is but it feels like it also takes some time working within the ring to not let those get to you whenever they happen oh yeah like i mean i feel like i naturally be the kind of person that would get so hung up on it 
that I just couldn't recover. But you train so much to just move past it. And that's what happens. Like, I'll make a mistake and I'm just like, well, I can't think about that or it's going to ruin my life. <laughs> like, I just have to forget about it. It just, all right, that happened. Time to do something else. Exactly. Like, we'll, we'll deal with that whenever it pops back up, like, yeah. months down the line. It's one of those moments that makes you have, like, that self-cringe. Oh, no, I'm going to repress that forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a match and I'll get back. I was like, we're never rewatching that. I'm not promoting that. I'm not talking about it. That match didn't happen. <laughs> Touche. I, I like I like that attitude. It's like, no, it just doesn't exist anymore. Like not yeah. even in 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 the the repertoire. I like it. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk to you a bit because you mentioned earlier about the um about the title win and how Enjoy kind of structures their their content. Like obviously they had the live show and then you know they'll go into the editing bay and about a month or so later you'll have the show kind of doled up into episodes for the YouTube channel and everything like that. Obviously there's a, there's some time in between there where spoils spoilers can be out there. And I've, and whenever you won the title, like I know people try to avoid spoilers as much as possible, myself included for the most part, but I pay attention to these things that I, <laughs> I obviously saw your tweet with, with the belt. And <laughs> it was just like, okay, that's, I'm looking forward to that. How do what is that approach like for you? Like, in terms of having that time in between when the live crowd sees it and when the rest of the audience sees it, especially considering how much live streaming now has become like the main go-to presentation for pro wrestling. Like, are you kind of, is there like a pressure to not reveal what happens on the show before it airs on YouTube? Or is there like anything internally that, that is discussed with enjoy? Like, I'm just curious. Um, I mean, usually most of the time, you know, we're encouraged not to share spoilers, but I kind of asked, I was just excited about it. And it was a, a special moment with, you know, there are four or 500 people in the venue. So, um, I asked permission to share like some photos, um, cause they were really cool. And I just wanted to like, kind of ride that momentum a little bit. Um, and they said it was okay. If I did it, they just wouldn't, you know, the enjoy accounts wouldn't retweet anything. Um, so yeah, that was that was all kind of that. That's all that went into it. I think in the future, I won't I won't spoil things. But really, I mean, enjoy is focused on the live audience. You know, it's about selling tickets in the venue in the moment. Because um, I think like, you know, live streaming is fun, but I don't think that's the main focus anymore for a lot of companies. It's about like the in-house live crowd because um, that's kind of, you know, I think that's for a lot of reasons, that's what makes sense to focus on. Um, so that's kind of how enjoy structures it. And, and the, the, you know, they, they make the YouTube for various reasons, but, um, the focus primarily is the live audience. I can understand the strategy. I, I definitely yeah. can. Yeah. Um, another aspect though, that I have to ask you about is, um, I, one of the photos that came out with you and the belt, and drinking a Coors Light <laughs> timed so perfectly oh, God. with this dumb bullshit that we have been dealing with with the whole with Bud Light and all this other stuff. Um, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I can, I can just ask you, like, was the, obviously like the timing of that was a little like wonky. So I don't know if, if you had like, was that, if that was like a planned thing or anything like that. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was just, <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. 
it was just what was in the fridge, like yeah. um, where we were taking pictures and I always like having a beer after a match. But um, yeah, no, that was not time to the current <laughs> events with with whatever's happening, which I've never been more sick of a conversation in my entire life than everything that's going on with that. None of it makes any sense to me. Um, it's all just sad um, and annoying. But yeah, there is no no coincidence there. <laughs> I had a feeling there wasn't, but it was funny for me personally, like seeing that photo right around the same time that like um, Marjorie Taylor Greene was talking about dropping Bud Light and switching to Coors Light, which of course Coors Light has been supporting the LGBTQ community since the 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those like little moments of ennui. Just (laughs) like, I just, I I existed in pure bliss for like two seconds. with that i wish i you know i'm yeah i think it i think we i think it happened before all that stuff yeah i don't know i don't remember the timing it feels like forever feels like we've been talking about bud light for a century now um but no i think it's just because because um max one of the promoters of enjoy that's what he likes so he had a case of course for us in the fridge and i just wanted anything (laughs) like after that (laughs) But it's funny that photo too, because AJ Small, who's our photographer and enjoys like an incredible photographer. Yes. Um, so I was just like drinking the beer and, and it's my little party trick to drink it through the mask. And so we had taken a bunch of shots because I wanted one like as soon as the match was over. So we made like a special little setup just for that because I wanted just that. I knew it was going to be an iconic photo with the torn mask and the blood and 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 that whole deal. So I knew that. So, you know, he he obviously agreed to it. And um, at the end, like I was drinking like in between shots. And at the end, I was like, just get a shot of me like drinking the beer. I think it'd be cool. And he's like, all right, all right, fine, fine. So he takes a photo and then he like sends me all the good ones back. That's usually how it works. It's like their photographer will edit and send you one or two back. And he didn't send one with the beer. I was like, I that's a really good shot. You should like, can I see it? And he's like, oh, it's like blurry and like this or that you know whatever like it's it's not technically up to a standards but i was like yeah that's it that's the money that's the, <laughs> that's the good shot that's what we're using and now that's the one like on flyers and stuff so um i'm sure he like groans every time he sees this blurry photo but i love it <laughs> i mean honestly like at this point he should take ownership of it like because it, it is it has this I, I, like a, an iconic nature to it in a way mm-hmm. like it just i don't know it just oozes kind of like both like contentness and defiance in a mm-hmm. way like it's just uh it works on multiple levels and it's and, a whole vibe uh, it's a whole vibe yes yes it, it honestly it kind of encapsulates the vibe of enjoy just from like what i see watching the, the shows like it feels like that's kind of what the vibe is at the live event mm-hmm. in a way and that's i don't think that was ever the intent like when because it was like i think our second show it was when I wrestled Ziggy and um, we realized like every other match is like a hardcore match. And it's just like, oh, is this is this what we're doing? Is this because like, I don't think that was the intent, but it just so happened that like, you know, me and Ziggy have our like grunt or, or, or grudge match. And then I think it was Billy and Effie wrestled for the fest title, which ended had like a lot of tables and you know billy likes to bleed so does effie so they went crazy and then max and and uh mv in the main event within a tables match so 
it just became like, oh, I guess we're a hardcore promotion now. <laughs> <laughs> but we're everything. I mean, it joys everything. It's just, um, yeah. But that is the vibe. It's you know this this dirge, this like uh, grungy church turn music venue. It's all foggy and smoky, and it's it's cool. It's a it's a whole thing. No, I dig it. I dig it a whole lot, and it makes sense yeah. considering you know part the the enjoy kind of has this like relationship or connection to fest and like fest mm -hmm. kind of exudes that same sort of attitude from, from yeah. what i've seen so it 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 works it works yeah. very very well but also you know something i'm keeping in mind is like you know mv set a tone for his run and i want to set you know i'm i'm a very different wrestler i'm a very different performer than he is so mm -hmm. you know it's I want to set a different tone. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that with Sue Young coming up on uh, June 17th at the next Enjoy show. But, um, you know, maybe maybe looking past that, it may be more, you know, an in, in ED style match and, you know, need a surreal vibe. But um, I think uh, it's going to be a whole different thing with Sue Young. <laughs> so no casket matches? No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the calls for it. No, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just going to be 30 minute like technical classics, um, you know, that I'm kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the I'm vibe I want. That's what I yeah. do. No, I, I love it. And and speaking <laughs> of uh, doing an ED style match, um, let's talk about Uncanny. Yeah, because you are stepping into the ring and correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that you and Billy have actually wrestled one on one against each other. Yes, correct? it is. We have never we've never been in the ring together. Um, we were scheduled for I, I just looked looking back. We were in some kind of oh, yeah, we we're supposed to be in like a scramble at a fest show, um, but it got changed. Um, but yeah, we have never been in a ring together. Obviously, there's a, a a closeness there, you know, through all of Billy's work with Pro Wrestling Vibe, and mm -hmm. of course, you winning the Cassandra Cup, a tournament that he created, um, in a way or helped create. Um, mm -hmm. and there's there's just a lot of history uh, between the two of you that doesn't involve actually like animosity or getting into the ring against one another. So I'm very curious to hear like what's your feeling and, and approach like actually wrestling billy for the first time knowing that the relationship that you've already built with him i mean it, it's it's certainly going to be interesting because we're again we have very different styles and we're very different performers in a way but we share so much we have so much in common about our vision for professional wrestling and our vision for it as an art form and storytelling and, you know, our relationships to the audience and all these things. We have so much in common. We talk about that stuff all the time. Um, so I think those two things are going to make it really, really cool. I think it's going to be like a really, um, again, a really special match and, and like, like enjoy uncanny is a, is a really special promotion. And, you know, it means a lot to work there and to perform there, especially since it's in a place like Texas, which is pretty hus you know, inhospitable to folks like us. So it's, it's, it, it feels really nice to be, I don't know if it feels nice, but it, you know, it's, it's us performing is active protest in itself. So um, you know, it's just going to mean a lot to to perform with him and and to have this match for you know the un the uncanny unchampionship. So, yeah, I'm really really looking forward to it. 
No, I, I am as well. And and you're right, you know, with Uncanny coming back and, and kind of moving to, to the Austin, Texas area now, you know, we saw, you know, obviously last April during Mania weekend in Dallas, there was a lot of talk about, you know, support of the trans community in Texas and, and the wider reach of the United States. We saw it again whenever Uncanny came back in November of last year, including obviously you were on that show facing Kylan King and a number mm-hmm. of other outstanding people that were there as well. Um, going back now and seeing just like how things have progressed within just even just focusing specifically on Texas, seeing how things have progressed in Texas and going back there for another Uncanny Attraction show. Um, do you feel like the mission in some ways hasn't intensified? Like you mentioned, you know, performing is an act of protest in a way. Like, has that feeling grown in intensity for you over the last year or so? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, it does feel like it's necessary to make a statement and to say something or to perform something and to just kind of have that that's always just going to be hanging over the performance um, going into places like that where um, I mean, I can't keep track of all the bills. So I don't know if like anti-drag laws have been discussed in Texas. I'm sure they have. Um, but, you know, with anything like that going on in, in those places, it's it just it just looms over everything. And um, but I think, you know, we have to be defiant against that. You know, I can't let that stop me from performing in those places um, as much as like, it does feel scary. Um, but I think it just, you have to push, push through. Cause we always push through. We always fight back and we are going to win and we always win. So, um, you know, we just have to keep that in mind and, and not let all that stuff slow us down. No, I definitely agree with you on that. You know, that history has proven that our community does win out in time. It's just, you know, like surviving the time in between the the fight and and the win there that's it's always weighing on on people's minds and obviously pro wrestling has been a venue for not just yourself but multiple other people to kind of express that defiance against what we've seen in in multiple states in this country you know obviously we had the the big moment at big gay brunch with a very very bloody effie on top of a ladder you know, telling people to like take the the energy of the joy that they feel watching the show and being in the space and direct it out as, as a fight towards what we're seeing. You know, we've seen multiple other um, promotions and and people kind of using their voice within pro wrestling uh, as well to to keep promoting the 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 idea of equity uh, in that way. Like, do you feel like pro wrestling is as a maybe not necessarily as a whole because how one person can't speak for the entirety of pro wrestling but from what you see do you feel like pro wrestling is kind of taking that fight to heart and putting the right foot forward yes and no i mean as as young wrestlers were i was taught like don't talk about politics don't talk about real life things because where escapism and people want to escape all of that. And you don't want to divide people by having opinions on that. Um, and maybe it's better for my career to stay silent, but I just can't, 
you know, I just, I think the, the stakes are too high and the fight is too big to, to not say anything. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I remember having like a conversation a little while ago with like a group of friends and I was like mentioning some bill or something and it's, and I think they just didn't know what was going on. And they're like, you know, supportive people and, and queer people and just didn't really know what was going on. So I kind of felt like, wow, if people this close to me don't know that these types of bills are, are being passed, um, then I think I need to speak up a little bit more. So, you know, that kind of inspired me to keep talking about this stuff and to keep sharing and, and, you know, I'm glad that other people are doing it as well. And it's starting to, you know, it gets talked about more and more because I mean, as there are more and more bills and more and more things passing and, and more legislation going through, um, there is more to talk about. But I think, yeah, I think it's just, you can't stay silent. You know, I can't just be a character. I can't just be a form of escapism. That's absolutely a, a part I play is escapism. But, you know, I have to, you know, be an advocate and an, an activist as well. That just, I, yeah, you just can't, I just can't not say anything. No, I mean, and it makes sense. And I, and I feel like that advice, you know, to not be political in terms of presentation or you know what you speak about and that sort of thing like i feel like that advice works a whole lot better like five six seven years ago whenever like your audience is like a predominantly like white cishet males mm -hmm. and they don't have their identities and their entire existence is being politicized by multiple governments in in this world um, yeah. And so when you open up the pro wrestling audience to other communities that, you know, have been underrepresented or poorly represented within the pro wrestling world, like people who understand the innate politicalness of their existence in a way, like, I feel like that changes the response in a way where like, yeah, like a, a, a typical wrestling fan back and you know years ago probably would have been like well i just want to escape but like now it's like there are people that whenever like you are like i just to take for instance the 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 little promo video that you did for the uncanny show right where you mentioned coming back to texas and about what texas is doing to the trans community and that sort of thing like i feel like that's the kind of stuff that one it, it expresses your feelings very genuinely and that can connect you to an audience of people that understand where that's coming from for yourself, but it also fuels some people, mm -hmm. right? Like it makes them feel motivated. It makes them want to continue to fight like that. That's the takeaway that I get from it. I don't know if, if, if you have any opinion on, on that at all or. Well, I would think like, it also probably helps like people in places like Texas, like queer people and trans people in Texas to know that, you know, we're, you know, the handful of performers on this show are flying in, you know, we're traveling to Texas to perform, we're being defiant. And hopefully it inspires them to feel like we're not abandoning them. You know, I think that's another reason why we can't just abandon these states that 
have these these laws that could affect us performing or just existing in public. You know, we have to be there for those people who are in those states and to inspire them to fight and to make them not feel alone. Yeah. And and that makes total sense too. You want to continue to show support for the people that are like on the ground in those situations, you know. Like I'm sure if there was a a a a, a vibrant pro wrestling scene in Montana, so to speak, like maybe there have been would have been some people that have been a lot more vocal about what happened to to Zoe Zephyr mm-hmm. and, and being you know expelled from the from the house floor there in a terrible terrible fashion. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like it makes sense. Like you want to continue to build up the people that are there that have to experience this on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just gonna take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show and say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show. Uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous, uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling. And we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you got t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, co-host <laughs> Mastodon, whatever we're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at Wonderboy OTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula Six 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 from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBTRingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. 
Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the the week's gaming news, or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. Staying on Uncanny for, for just a second, like obviously the, the company kind of had been gone for a number of, of years and, and, you know, dating back to like summer of 2020. And when they came back in November, you know, you know, in talking to Lynn, um, you know, one of the first people that that she mentioned and, and was excited about having on Uncanny's return show in November was you hmm. and seeing like the performance not just the performance against uh kylan on the show that you have but um the timing of everything you know in, with the political sphere going amok um and you know even just something as small as like wearing your protect trans kids t-shirt like for for the entrance during that show like it felt like um not that the ethos of of uncanny attractions had not been like that sort of um protest mindset so to speak but whenever it came back it almost felt like that rose to the forefront um during that show in particular like how do you how do you view uncanny attractions as as a company and and what they are trying to do now that they're in texas i mean yeah I, it was always a a, a dream and a, and a goal i don't know dream that's big but a goal um to work there i guess it is a dream i'll say it's a dream um it was always a goal to work there um and i think yeah i was booked for the wrestlemania show it was supposed to be me and sugar dunkerton was gonna be my debut um but then that whole like pandemic thing um shut that down so i was like all right well at least my foot's in the door and then i guess i didn't hear anything for a, a long time um, and then, you know, Lynn started putting, um, started like, why am I forgetting the the phrase just started like, um, putting it back together down in Texas and she reached out for help with graphic design. So that was kind of like my first, you know, way back in. So I've, you know, I've done, I don't know if people know, but I did like the logo and I do a lot of like the show flyers and I designed the belt too. Um, <laughs> so I did, a, you know, I've been working really closely with Lynn for the last two shows um, and, you know, for a while now. So yeah, I think just to be a part of like building something from this side is really, really cool. And just the fact that she is pushing so hard to be a, um, to make statements and you know it's not it's we're not subtle about who we are and, and what we represent and we are making a stand and she wants to give us this platform to do that to say what we want to say or, or to just feature us in a certain way so um and it doesn't feel like cheesy not that like many promotions are cheesy in that way but it's just like it's um you know we're we are who we are and and it just it's it's cool i like it a lot <laughs> It definitely feels like a place that that kind of carries that idea of authenticity um and and realness in a way um even down to the <laughs> crowd chanting big and dumb at Dylan McQueen 
Um, (laughs) Oh my God. I wasn't there for that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That that was a really dedicated crowd because that show, um, it was outside and it was raining. It was almost like sleeting. Like, I didn't know it was cold in Texas ever because I, you know, I haven't been there very often, but it was freezing. It must have been like 45 degrees. And the match before us, I forget, I think it was, um, I think it was MV Young and Brian Keith. And mm. um, it had, that was the first match and it had started like raining. Um, so like Kylan and, and I are like waiting at the entrance and we're like, you know, we entered from the outside. I'm just like, oh no, what are we going to do? We can't can't do this i don't have a sweatshirt to wrestle in like you know so we just had to go again just like figuring it out like we had to scrap a whole bunch of stuff because like you can't really run the rope you can't like climb the ropes or you don't really want to be running too much when when it's raining outside when the ring is is wet because you'll fall so we had to like you know call a lot of it on the fly and just like scrap a lot of stuff and just figure it out and um it was cool. And I'm so thankful that that crowd stuck with us and, you know, they packed the place and they were crazy for the whole show. So it was it was cool. It was really, really fun. <laughs> now, it's interesting to hear you say that you designed the title because mm-hmm. we still haven't gotten a glimpse of what this of what this belt looks like. Mm-hmm. And I I know I can speak for myself and saying that whenever I heard Uncanny was going to be introducing a championship, I I was very very curious about what it would look like I, I i'm sure like you know no details really can be spilled here oh it's you been know, we, showed it's been shown it has it yeah Why yeah i've seen it i don't oh know my God. <laughs> it was supposed I'm, I'm looking this up right now in real time because <laughs> i for some reason i i had not seen it okay we're gonna I've, i'm just gonna vamp for a second while i look this up because now i want to see what it looks like yeah. whenever it was cool surreal. because designed to belt i did like an art project like oh my gosh maybe five six seven years ago um and i designed a whole bunch of title belts as just like like an illustration project and i had a little art show about them um so this was like a belt i had from there that i just kind of like repurposed a little bit um to fit like the uncanny you know the logo and the text in there so it's 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 special to have that like thing that I have like a little bit of history with this this particular design and to repurpose it into an actual title belt. Oh, okay. I'm I'm looking at it right now. My goodness, you've outdone <laughs> yourself. Katie. The pink and the black and the gold just pops together and oh my oh my god. Yeah. That's interesting though to hear that like an art project for you was like kind of designing title belts because like obviously the wrestling connection there fits for, for you, but like I don't know. Like it's it's just an interesting idea. Like, where did you draw inspiration for? Obviously, you like you said, it's from one of the those belts that came about in that art project. But like, where did the ideas that kind of went into this belt and that um, part of the art project kind of where did you draw from for those? Uh, I think I was. I mean, a lot of my like illustration style is very like detailed and gridded and like very precise which is kind of like very similar to how title belts have to be designed so i was always attracted to that um i really was into like the day of the dead styles a little bit of like mexican art 
in there. So I kind of, when I did that initial project, I kind of pulled some elements into that. So that's where that like rose design came in. Um, and also like tattoo art. I think I was looking at a lot of like tattoos um, to get that rose rose design. So those those are my three main inspiration points for for that title series. So that's um, where you get that. Like there's that kind of like crosshatch like um, pattern in the background with the with the square grid. There's the rose, and then those like um, those kind of like ivy leaves that cross through everything. So yeah, those are my three inspiration points for for that series. Oh, I love it. Of course, the 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 type is is on point. The font yeah. is on point as always with, with yes. your stuff. <laughs> like, there's a reason why. Like whenever I was, you know, design wanted designs for 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 shirts like that 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 I came to you. Yeah, he's like it's there's like I I don't know I I'm a fan of fonts as well. At times, I feel like you like come out with things that I have never seen before in that way and i don't know like it's just it just all fits so well together and even just the way that the uncanny letters are kind of like jumbled uh together on there like just kind of fits with it fits the vibe of the company yeah. like dating back to when they were running in brooklyn when when like the those shows were chaotic as fuck i mm-hmm. mean billy shoved a chopped cheese or a bacon egg and cheese into ariel and nix's face um and then go even going down to like the return in November whenever y'all are wrestling in the sleet, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't know. It just God, I'm bummed that I didn't see this before we started talking, but I am so excited that I'm getting to see it for the first time when I'm talking to you. It's like <laughs> it just it just speaks to me. Like all the, the that oh. pink just pops so well. Yay, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I think the style of, of uncanny fits like my design style because I like I like things to be very precise and on a very tight grid and very organized, but then there has to be something that breaks that. So, you know, everything I do for enjoy, all the images and stuff are perfectly spaced. It's on a very tight, like again, a very tight grid, but then the type is all jumbled and it kind of breaks that. Or there's that kind of like scribbly lettering that I use sometimes. So I think that really fits Uncanny because, you know, Lynn runs a very tight ship. We have, you know, it's it's one of the more probably the most professional show on the independence that I work. Um, you know, it's just very, very organized and very professional and very, very well put together. And we're taken care of very well. But then we go out there and we do crazy shit in the ring and, you know, you know, all this stuff happens. So it's, I feel like that the style, you're, you're exactly right. The style of uncanny totally fits that design style that, that I'm doing there. And, and then I kind of do with everything. Do you feel like that that organization that Uncanny has um, kind of pulls from Lynn's history and production and uh, festival production and concert production? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's she's a pro like she's she's a professional like promoter. And, you know, it's definitely reflected in everything we do. Um, You know, all the stuff that I do on the back end um all the way through like show day with just how organized everything is yeah like i i'm so happy that uncanny is back yeah like i i can't i can't deny like i'm just i'm just so happy that uncanny is back because you know it's a company that really was at the forefront of this whole movement as as i continue to coin it in in a way and you know 
as we see companies like, you know, obviously what happened with Processing Vibe going away and we we continue to need companies like like Uncanny and like, you know, the countless others that have a commitment to not just the performers from the community, but being of the community themselves and understanding the responsibility that that can come with that and what they want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's really cool. God, I just sorry. I just keep. I need to. I need to minimize this window because I keep looking at the title and getting distracted because <laughs> it just looks so pretty. Lord, <laughs> it's funny. Like I looked back and there's like a couple things that like I didn't intend. Like that wasn't exactly how I designed it. So I'm like have to bring like a paint pen down with me to fix some stuff before we put it on stage. I don't know if Lynn will let me do that, but you know I'll be ready just in case. <laughs> It always helps to be prepared, right? Yes. <laughs> well, obviously, you have that big match coming up with Billy um, to win, hope to try and win a title that you designed, um, which I that might be a first in the pro wrestling world. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, when we were talking off air for a second, like you mentioned, um, Kenny Johnson, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he's done a lot of documentary work um in the pro wrestling world what's what's going on with with kenny johnson so we just released or he just released a documentary um that he's been filming about about me for the last year um so yeah it was just released on his youtube um so it's at kenny johnson i forget the exact thing but just look for kenny johnson um and yeah he's been doing documentaries for a long time and like I remember early in my career watching that Orange Cassidy one about like comedy and wrestling. And that's always stuck with me. Just, you know, obviously Orange was one of my trainers and um, just kind of like, I don't know, it's just it's just great stuff. So just when he reached out to me to want to film a documentary, um, I was like super excited. And the main focus, the initial goal was just to talk about art. So just about talking about me as an artist and how that kind of plays into, you know, me being a performing artist and a professional wrestler. And the really cool thing about this documentary is how it flows into other subjects that he had no intention of really covering. And not that he didn't have intention, but it just kind of came up naturally. Um, So we start to talk more like, you know, we go through me calling a match with Austin Luke at the Angels of Death tournament um, at H2O and just kind of just kind of talking about the art side of the performance and everything that goes into that. So it was really cool to kind of, for people to see that more, that, um, that side of things that they may not, not get to. And then, you know, we, there's a whole section talking about being a woman in professional wrestling and then obviously getting to all the stuff happening with, um, you know, all the LGBTQ rights and legislation and all that stuff. And there's actually a fan um who the night before so we did a section he recorded at at vibe at the last show at the brow brewery in in washington dc and the night before that show um there was a drag um story hour where some proud boys showed up and someone who was there to defend the drag story hour um you know got their lips split open and that person was a fan of the show and they were at Uncanny, so they're, or I'm um, sorry, uh, at Vibe being interviewed. So they're a part of that documentary. So um, it was just, it was just really cool. And it's also interesting to film a documentary 
again because I did that the life of on IWTV um and after that I was just like wow that was I shared so much I'm never doing anything like that ever again no more interviews I'm done that's all y'all get <laughs> and so I did this one again and um it's already it already feels weird because we initially filmed the first half like a year ago so we worked on it a year ago, took a break and then finished it up a couple months ago and, and released it this week. And just looking back, I'm just like, I already can't relate to that person, like to what I was saying a year ago. And so it's just that's just such a funny thing about filming those things and, and to having any kind of interview. Like it's such a snapshot in time that um, it just feels weird. It's just I don't know. I'm really just stuck on that point, on that part of it. And I even talk about that, like I discuss filming the IWTV thing and how I was just like, it was just too much. I'm proud of, I'm proud of both. I don't regret them, but it's just like, okay, that was a lot. I put a lot of myself there. That's, that's it for a while. <laughs> no, I mean, and it makes sense. Like it can be very hard to show that level of vulnerability, especially like looking back to the, la the, um, the life of episode that you did, because like, you know, you are sharing so much about, you know, your experience and the different things that you struggle is at this time in, in your life, whenever, you know, you're, you know, transitioning away from, from still life into ED and you're continuing to grow in that way. Um, and even down to the point where like, um, you know, it's still super powerful every, whenever I go back and watch that from time to time and, um, you know, see that moment where like, you're showing yourself take like taking HRT. Mm -hmm. like doing like taking your your estrogen shot and like i can imagine that takes a lot out of somebody i can totally see where you would just be like no nah, i don't ever want to talk publicly <laughs> again just let me get in there and and grab and do that thing mm -hmm. and and that sort of stuff but that's one thing I, I have noticed also um in in doing this show is just how much each interview is kind of a snapshot of a moment because like even just in the conversations that that we've had on on this show like the very first one you were still still life and then the next one we talked it was it was Edie <laughs> and then now we're talking to Edie like just after one of her her biggest uh matches in her career um but there's still so much more to tell and there's still so much that's different from like that time span where, you know, between appearances and stuff like that, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and not even just with you, like, I don't, you know, I don't like to make this, the show about myself, but like, you know, we're coming up on the 200th episode of the show and like episode 100 was when my now spouse proposed to me on the podcast mm -hmm. and like looking at where I was at in my life then versus where I'm going to be at now for episode 200. Like, I don't know, like whenever you mentioned like that, that point about like snapshots in time that you can go back and, and relive if you want to in that way, like, it just, I don't know, that just kind of, that hit me really, really hard just right now in the moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But 
but no it does t- it does take a lot of power to be to show that that level of vulnerability and to kind of want to be able to um learn and grow right and not be complacent and then to look back on the person that you were and what you were talking about and understanding like how far you have come in in certain ways right mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah sorry ah <laughs> 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 uh, i interjected myself in the story and that's not what i do no so... you're fine you're fine <laughs> oh anyway um but no i'm i'm excited to see the, the documentary um i'm excited for other people to see it as well you know i feel like your your story and your journey has been one that I think a lot of people can relate to and and can resonate with them, uh, especially within the community, especially within you know the the lives of trans and non-binary people who are constantly you know trying to better understand themselves and and better develop themselves, become the person that they want to be in that way. So yeah, like it's. It sounds powerful, and I and I can't wait to check it out personally. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Edie, it is always a blast to, yeah. to sit down and chat with you. And um, I'm so glad that we were able to to, to make this happen today. Um, let everybody know where they can uh, find you online and where they can uh, check out where you're going to be coming up here pretty soon. Yay, I'm mostly active on Twitter and Instagram at Edith the Real for both of them. Um, my website I keep up to date, and that's edithsurreal.com. I finally figured out how to not just have the www there. So that I always threw an error when you didn't include that. So now you can just type in edithsurreal.com and you get my actual website. So that's really great. Um, so those are those are my primary places to uh to check me out. Um, I am performing this Saturday, May 13th in Austin, Texas at the Far Out Lounge for Uncanny Attractions. And then the next day I am back home in Philadelphia at Philomoca, um, for Labor of Love, um, for a show there. And that's also at noon, two noon shows. That's crazy. Oh no, that one's at two o'clock. That one's at two o'clock. Sorry. Uh, I land at noon, so I have to get from the airport to the venue and like, it's a whole thing. Anyway, um, so that's where I'm at this weekend. <laughs> oh, awesome. I, I, Like I said, I can't wait to, to check out the Uncanny Show. I know it's going to be streaming live on Title Match, and uh, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a fun thing for me this weekend. But yeah, Yay. Edie, always a blast. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. My thanks once again to Edith for coming back on the show and talking through all of these outstanding moments and hopefully moments that will be just as grand coming up this weekend down in Austin at Uncanny Attractions. Uh, it's going to be a rad show, and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a blast. Um, that's going to do it for us this week, obviously. But uh, before we get out of here, we need to thank the roster of lovelies that so lovingly support this show over at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Yes. So a big thank you to Alex E Val Capone and Jerry legend. If you also want to hear your name counted amongst the roster of lovelies here on this show, uh, you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon at the $3 tier. 
obviously our Patreon is still in its infancy. It's still a very small child, but um, we are excited to see it grow. Uh, as And also we are very, very humbled <laughs> by uh, those of you that uh, support the show via, via the Patreon and, and, you know, Thank you for joining us on this ride uh, because we're going to keep improving it. Obviously, you know, we have bonus shows that are going to be coming up, which, you know, I, I think the first one we have it scheduled at this point, and it's going to be a real fun one if you catch my drift. But yeah, I'm excited for, for what we have coming up over there. And if you want to join us on that journey again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Um, with that being said, we will say goodbye for this week. Uh, but until next time, episode 200. Oh my God, episode 200 is the next time we're going to chat. Whew. I wonder what we have planned. I wonder. <laughs> anyway, until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And definitely check out Kenny Johnson's Eat the Surreal documentary. I watched it after we um, finished our conversation here on the show. And uh, it's it's powerful. It really is. is Bye. She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live When the moon is high and the devil is chopping stick It's the formula 666